You all look so beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Divine Feminine Energy Day, because it's in all of us. It is in all of us, whatever you want to call it. So how many, how many biological moms do we have in here? How many real moms? Look at us. Yay. Okay. Awesome. How many? How about stepmoms? Any stepmoms? Yeah. Dads as moms? Oh, come on. Dads as moms. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, how many here have given birth to an idea? Everybody's hand should be up. Everybody. Uh, given birth to a company or an invention. Okay, there you go. That's what we're talking about. How many here have been born? Okay, all right, good. All of our hands are up. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, the, we are accustomed to thinking of the fatherhood of God, right? Jesus talked about our Father, which art in heaven. And very often we pray, we begin our prayers with that, right? Our Father. But must there not be equal with the fatherhood of infinite spirit, also the motherhood? For the creative process of life, there is a blending of the two. There must be the spirit that speaks the word of creation. And there must be the, common, the com, cosmic matrix which molds the divine idea into form and experience. And so that's really what we're talking about today, the feminine energy. And that feminine energy is found in all of us. Men, women, children, we've all, it's, it's in all. We all have feminine and masculine energy in uh, amounts. And that is the mystical marriage that, that the mystic spoke of, isn't it? That that divine mystical, mystical marriage of the feminine and the masculine within all of us. Um, I, I read I, Dr. Barbara Cox. She's a member here at Vision. And I don't think, did she hear? Did she make it? There you are. Okay. <laughs> you made it. Yay. So I, I read her book. It's just wonderful. It's called The Muse Process, Unleashing the Power of the Feminine for Success and Fulfillment. You have some with you? You're going to do a book signing after? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. You can clap for that. That's wonderful. It's a great book. Anyway, in that book, Dr. Cox said, when we realize the value of both energies and draw from the best of each, it reinstates the natural balance between the masculine and the feminine traits, and it empowers us all to be our best. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about that divine feminine energy that is alive in all of us. The cosmic blending, like Ernest Holmes said, of the two energies unique in all of us. Yeah, and maybe it's not exactly 50-50. Maybe it's a little higher, a little lower, but we all have all of it, you know? And so, so today's talk is about that more than biological Mother's Day. Today's talk is about that divine energy. And Robert Heinlein, who's our science fiction fantasy people, yay, raise your hands. Okay, he said, being a mother is an attitude. It is not a biological relation. It is an attitude, and I love that. You remember, do you remember the TV moms growing up? Anybody remember TV moms? I remember watching TV moms growing up, and I'm thinking, didn't really look much like my mom. But, you know, but remember Margaret Anderson in Father's Knows Best. I'm going back now. This is like a really old, old talk. And this is the 50s, right? Margaret Anderson in Father's Knows Best. And Margaret Williams. Margaret must have been a very popular name for moms in those days. Margaret Williams was the mom in Make Room for Daddy. Does anybody remember the Danny Thomas show, Make Room for Daddy? They killed her off after only three seasons. So she wasn't around long. He was a widower. But she was there. And then there was the Donna Reed show. How could you not remember Donna Reed show? And, 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 and uh, Harriet, right? And the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. I think that was our first reality TV, wasn't it? 
Because really, when you think about it, because they were a real family in real life and on TV. Anybody remember Ricky Nelson? Have a crush on him? Yes, everybody. Woohoo! Okay. Huh. Anyway, Lucy Ricardo, uh, uh, June Cleaver in Leave It to Beaver, right? These were the perfect moms. These were the women that vacuumed with pearls and in heels. <laughs> My mother never vacuumed with pearls and heels. It just didn't happen. You know, and then there were the 60s. The 60s came along, and we had the freaky, offbeat individual moms, right? We had Samantha Stevens of Bewitched. She was a witch, <laughs> a real witch. Um, uh, Morticia Adams, right? A little odd, a little offbeat, but still that mother energy. Uh, Lily Munster, right, of the Munsters. Oh, God. And then, of course, again, we had the standard bearer of the perfect mom. We had, uh, what's her face, Carol Brady. Right? Of the Brady Bunch. Again, the, you know, the heels and the pearls and the vacuuming and all that stuff. 68 to 71 brought Julia into our lives. Does every, anybody remember Julia? Oh, my gosh. First uh, African-American woman to head a TV show. It was a half-hour sitcom. She was a widowed uh, nurse raising, raising an only son. And um, it, was, it was, you know, groundbreaking at that time. And, and also the fact that she was all by herself, you know? It was, I mean, she had her boss and she had everything, but she was raising her, her son on her own. Then the 70s came along and brought those barrier-breaking moms to the forefront. You had Shirley Partridge, right, who was singing and dancing, whatever. Maud, anybody remember Maud? Maud Fendley. Okay, we had our feminist moms. Yay, go Maud. <laughs> Florida Evans of Good Time, right? Um, and again... There was always that standard bearer for the traditional pearls and, and heels mom. There was Marion Cunningham from Happy Days. You know, it's always there. At 75 to 84, we had one day at a time. Again, we have a single mom raising children, only this time she was uh, divorced instead of widowed. And then the 80s brought back the perfect mom. Claire Huxtable, Elise Keaton of Family Ties, Marge Simpson, and yes, I am including her as a perfect mom. <laughs> Marge Simpson, always wanting to do the right thing. And then the 80s also brought us the anti-perfect mom, right? We had Peg Bundy, married with children. Oh, my God. And then in the 90s, we had bad moms. Any of the real housewives of dot, 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 fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. Any of those real housewives shows are awful, terrible moms. Oh, my God. Just, just, holy moly. And then in the 2000s, we had moms that are just hanging on. They're just hanging in there, right? The mother and daughter moms on Mom. That's a show that's currently... And then Lori, I don't know if anybody watches Walking Dead, but Lori of Walking Dead, these are the people that are just hanging on by a shoestring, and I am not even going to mention Cersei Lannister. We're not even going to go there. Not going there. <laughs> so you can see these archetype moms, right? They're just, you know, they're perfect, they're imperfect, they're struggling with their own addictions, they're struggling with their own overwhelm, they're, they're absolutely doing everything. They're doing everything. So, so we're not... We've moved a long way from the 50s moms, you know, the divine feminine showing itself as ever caring, ever nurturing, never losing her temper, always peaceful, always compassionate, patient, the Madonna, you know. But then what happens is the feminine archetype rears its ugly head in anger and destroys when it has to. 
The divine feminine is fierce. It is fierce. It is not just passive. (laughs) The divine feminine is strength, like a mama bear, right? Protecting its young. We've seen that side of the divine feminine. It exists from one extreme to another, the divine feminine energy, from Donna Reed to Peg Bundy and everything in between. We are familiar with that ever-patient one, the ever-patient, kind, long-suffering matriarch. But what about that fierce, independent destroyer of the status quo? That's feminine energy as well. And so, so just like we like to know the energy of creating new things, which is the, the feminine energy, new birth, new things, that is absolutely also releasing the old is also the divine feminine at work in our lives. So let's talk about the great mother Kali. Kali, the Hindu goddess of time and change and power and destruction. That's feminine energy as well. She is a formidable vision. She's often presented as dark and violent. Hmm. Sometimes blue-skinned, sometimes brown-skinned. She has four arms. She's holding a sword in one of those four arms. She's holding the severed head of a demon in the other. That's pretty, you know, strong, powerful stuff. She has a necklace of severed heads. And her, and her waistband is a waistband of severed arms. She stands, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. She stands with one foot on the chest of her husband, Shiva. Who is said to be keeping her in check by prostrating himself before her. That's a real interesting view of the Divine Mother, isn't it? Okay, she is the bringer of death. But it is death to the ego. It is death to the false self. It is death to the outgrown. It is death to what no longer serves us. This is an important part of the Divine Feminine. She is that maternal strength that says, I'm not doing this anymore. That's huge and powerful stuff. She is stepping up and claiming her power. She is the reminder that we are the I am, that it exists within us, just like it exists within everyone. We are not our bodies. We are not our roles. We are not our chosen professions. We are not our hobbies. We are the great I am, and we exist in everyone, everyone. And we have to destroy the old and the outdated and and what no longer fits us in order to take on new creation. We have to let go of things before we can embrace things. We have to let go of the stuff that no longer serves we just, we just don't go through life collecting stuff and collecting stuff and collecting stuff and never getting rid of anything, do we? We have to have a balance of both. And Kali is one of those, those most popular forms of the divine in India, especially among women. She is the great destroyer. She is even more, more powerful than Shiva. And she destroys. But she destroys in order that new things get born. New things to get to be born. So, so sometimes we refer to her as the shadow nature of our lives, right? Sometimes we're not looking over there because it's really uncomfortable. Because as, as people, we need to know our balance between acquiesce, right? When to acquiesce and when to stand in our power. 
We have to, we have to find that balance within ourselves. And you know, women, women have traditionally not run things. So Kali is an important energy to incorporate into our beingness, to stand in our power, to claim our good, to know our truth, you know? And there have been women like that throughout history. Women's Day, well, Mother's Day, I should say, Mother's Day, is really about women standing in their power. Julia Ward Howe was the woman who started the trend this Mother's Day. She was, this is really cool, she was the author of the song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. But after seeing the devastating effects of of civil war, death and disease and famine and poverty, she began advocating for a woman's day of peace, a mother's day of peace in 1870. And so the 1870s was a real interesting time for the women's movement. You had the women's suffrage movement in particular, right? Um, And you had the Franco-Prussian War going on. And she looked at this and she began asking herself, why do we do this? Why are nations at war with each other? In particular, she began to thinking about what could be possible for women to do on behalf of humanity. Women at that time were supposed to be at home, right? cooking and cleaning and having kids and and not being on the world stage at all. They were never supposed to be out making speeches or organizing a movement or working for change. And then here she was, right? Here she was, Julia Ward Howe, doing that very thing. This is the Kali energy. She bucked the trend. She's rearing her ugly head. She is howling, howling in outrage and anguish and anger. She wanted to find a way for women to express what she thought was the innate love for God and love for humanity. And she thought that being a mother was a really powerful experience. And that, and that having been a mother, that no one could willingly see their babies be sent off to war to be killed or maimed, slaughtered. And so she worked tirelessly on behalf of, the, of, of, her, of her dream. <laughs> Don't get upset here, men. But her theory was just that men seem to be innately aggressive. And the only hope for civilization was for a woman to speak a different kind of voice. And at that time period, you could understand that. So she held peace conferences in the United States and in Britain. And in 1872, she began proclaiming every June 2nd would be Mother's Day for Peace. And so it was originally a day of activism. Mother's Day for Peace was a day for women to come together and call men and the world to see the necessity of living in peace rather than the ravages and aggressions of war. So Mother's Day was not a day when dad cooked and mom went to church and ladies got applause and (laughs) then we all went home. It was a day of activism. It was formally, um, I have the, the quote, wait. It was formally adopted early on, 1873. And at least 18 cities in the United States, plus Roman Constantinople, acknowledged it. But she never was successful at getting it recognized by the entire United States. So it was celebrated on and off throughout the teens. But Mother's Day as we know it today was really created by Anna Jarvis, who knew about Howe's work. And she was a West Virginian, and in 19... 07, yes, I got that right, 07, she persuaded her church to 
to celebrate mothers. See, this stuff always starts in a spiritual community, doesn't it? So, so that's the Mother's Day history. It was finally uh, 1912, Congress enacted Mother's Day as an official sort of holiday. So I kind of liked the idea that it was activism in the beginning because that is that Kali energy that we were talking about. You know, this was a woman that was passionate that our, killed not be, that our kids not be killed every time countries disagree. She was a courageous woman in history that probably very few people know about. And another one of those women who bucked the trend because they were, they were using that Kali energy. It was, not, it was not that soft and compassionate and yielding and Madonna kind of energy. It was the energy of change and, and creating something new. And we have women like that throughout history that have taken on those roles that women would have never been able to have, you know? Back, I'm talking back in the 1700 BCE, there was a woman who was a scribe, a woman scribe, which was unheard of back in those days. In 1518 BCE, there was a woman pharaoh. Did we know that? Woman was a pharaoh. Okay, cool. There have been women popes. Did you know that? Yes, there have been women popes. And, and women who were uh, Sufi writers and poets. There was, there was uh, Hildegard of Bingen, right? Nun, songwriter, mystic, sage. Eleanor of Aquitaine and, of course, Joan of Arc. Those are the ones we do know about. On to the Renaissance, there was Mother Ursula. She was a witch. She was considered the female Nostradamus. I love that. <laughs> he should have been considered the male Mother Ursula. Anyway. <laughs> there was Chiomi, a female ninja. A female ninja in the medieval period of Japan. And she opened up a school for other female ninjas. Gotta love it. Countess Ana de Sorio brought quinine from South America back to Spain to treat malaria. Lady Mary Wortley Montague Day is celebrated on May 26th. Yay, which is my birthday. Anyway, she single-handedly saved thousands with her smallpox inoculation. She brought back, from, she brought back to England from Turkey in 1719. And she is single-handedly responsible for the inoculation of our founding fathers. Which, it could have gone a whole different way then, couldn't it? Yeah, and that was 80 years before Dr. Edward Jenner discovered the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, imagine, 80 years before. Anyway, Mary Young Pickerskill sewed the flag called Old Glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know you're going to say, but what about Betsy Ross, right? She just had better publicity. <laughs> Pickerskill did it first. And... Oh, I can't even begin to say. Sybil Luddington rode twice as far and twice as fast as Paul Revere and never once complained about it. <laughs> we cannot begin, you know, to, to realize that feminine energy among us that has been doing all of this work. We, we cannot ignore the contributions of half of this planet's population. Yeah, are with me, women? Okay. Yeah. The divine, the divine feminine energy is within all of us. And we have to access it all. 
you know, the masculine energy of that doer, that accomplisher, that, that, that linear thinker also has to be tempered and also has to be balanced with the feminine energy of in relation to that circular thinking, the, the, the thinking of in community, which is the divine feminine. It is. And that divine feminine energy is fierce and it is in each and every one of us. It is the womb of creation, and it is so much more. It also slashes and burns anything in its path that, does not, that holds it back from creating something new. And isn't that what we're here to do? This is our legacy. This is our, this is our inheritance to evolve. We're not here to keep the status quo. We're here to evolve, all of us. And that's the, that's the feminine energy. That is the Kali energy. We must take up the sword of destruction ourselves and slash away what no longer serves in order to allow room for that which wants to be birthed within us to come forward. We can plant anew, and then we can give birth to that new life, new thought, new idea, new company. But first, we have to use and utilize the Kali energy to, to, to burn away that which is holding us back. All those sentences that you, you start out saying, oh, I really want to, but, and then everything after the but, that's the part you have to slash away. <laughs> everything after the but is BS. Belief system, ha ha, caught you. Belief system. That's what has to be burned away. That's what has to be slashed and burned. That's the Kali energy. Everything that holds us back from that greater idea of who we can be in spirit. And that's the gift of that feminine energy. It enables us to do that, to let go of what no longer serves so we can stand in our power, all of us, and peace and joy and love authentically in all of those qualities of God. Hmm. Because when we slash away what no longer serves us, when we drop the rock, when we let go of those things we have outgrown, it's only then can we, can we manifest new in our lives. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, let us then prepare to give birth to a future bright with hope, constant and fulfillment. And in this preparation of the mind, let us take thoughts similar to the following and meditate on it daily. I live and move and have my being in the eternal presence of the Mother, Father, God. I know Divine Parent nurtures my every prayer into fulfillment. I neither fear nor doubt that the creative principle of life shall respond to everything. I sincerely believe in my heart. That's the energy in which we dwell. That is the energy in which we live, move, and have our being. All of us. Not just some of us, but all of us. Happy Divine Feminine Day. Thank you.